0: Hello and welcome back to the miss Chen show. We're now in season two of the 100 mass Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all around the world about sex, dating, gender roles, and the meaning of masculinity. This week, we're opening up season two with full transparency. I speak to three guys for the very first time, getting as real as possible and getting them to share their past, present, and future when it comes to dating and relationships. Masked Man number 28 is the Sex Decoder. I had to speak to a tech developer to get his first-hand perspective on dating apps do they really work or are we preparing ourselves for a generation of romantic disaster i appreciate his logical approach to communication when he brings up the importance of providing both positive and negative feedback on sexual performance for both partners and the best part of this honest conversation is his resistance to get too deep too fast there's a fear of getting attached too quickly and wasting all this time with the wrong person But I wonder, does it also stop us from getting that deep emotional connection we all want so badly? Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: So I was born in Bosnia during like, I guess when I was born, it was 1988. So I can't remember that, but the war was kind of already brewing at that point. So most, a lot of people don't know, but Bosnia, Serbia... Croatia they had a giant civil war from 1991 to 96 and I was basically born and raised in the middle of that. Wow. You know, we were in Sarajevo which was um, at that point like, one of the main battle zones but me and my mom we ended up leaving they were letting women and children go so we ended up leaving when I was around four.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think like, just the day before my birthday actually uh, but the one thing is like my dad being a male he wasn't allowed to pass through the security checkpoints basically the area the people that had to let you through were the opposing forces so let me and my mom through uh we ended up escaping to like a a further part out like outside of like the war zone uh where we had a lot of family Mm -hmm. and as soon as we got there basically my mom started hunting down papers for us to uh like leave the country after that we ended up getting, she ended up going to Serbia to get the papers from Belgrade. We, after a couple of years, we ended up getting papers for Canada. And then, yeah, the Canadian government kind of hooked us up, took care of us, brought us here. And I've been here since. It's always been just and my mom because of that. My mom and my dad during that whole time, like he ended up staying behind. So he's still over there in Bosnia with like a wife and two kids and me and mom are just here.
0: Oh, wow. That's crazy. Do you talk to your dad and are you, do you? interact with his family at all
1: like we've met like here and there but because of, I think the circumstance or everything like I never looked that highly on him so not really I just like I know he is I can talk to him any day I want but I just I just don't I don't really like him
0: why don't you really like him
1: I think he turned his back on us so, like he had plenty of opportunities to come and join us and like leave and he just never would so he kind of just like left us
0: uh, okay I think yeah. that was
1: kind of like the yeah and even even then knowing him it's just like now it's like he's not he's kind of like he seems weak if you will
0: what do you mean by weak
1: like he was never driven never really did anything I, I don't know how to explain it like he's just <laughs> not like he I don't think he ever had confidence in himself like he wouldn't have been somebody that would have I don't think he would have added, like being just my mom I think just pulling from her strength like dragging a kid out of a war zone and bringing him here like that to me spoke more about anything than my dad was like I had like two opposites. So my mom who's like this warrior that like dragged me here. And then my dad who like didn't even want to leave and was like scared all the time.
0: Interesting. It's crazy how in that scenario, there's like a very clear distinction between fight or flight, you know? And you had both of your parents in one or the other bucket.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like also like I was young when all this was happening. So Mm -hmm. it's like from from what I remember, it's like it was very black and white for me back then. Mm -hmm. maybe not so much now that I'm an adult I look back on things and go like oh like maybe he was in the gray area he did his best but at the same time it's like no he could have came and like you weren't there so okay I'm gone now
0: so then what was it like growing up without your father as like a father figure to look up to what um what did you look up to instead or who did you look up to instead
1: oh it's always my mom it's always been like I think like in Canada just me and her here so it's always been I just looked at her for everything Like, I know it was hard for her because she did feel like she had to play, like, both roles. Like, I remember when we first moved out to this one neighborhood, I didn't know anyone. And, like, she's out there trying to convince me to buy baseball gloves to play, like, catch with me.
0: Really? That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Even though, like, she has no clue what baseball is, neither of us did. Because baseball is not a thing in, like, Europe at all. But I was it for her for everything. And still do, kind of, in some ways.
0: Awesome. So then... What did you grow up thinking that being a man should be like? Because you didn't really have your father as like a prime example for that. And you turned to your mom for everything. So what did you want to grow up to become? Or what did you want to take responsibility for? Or did you?
1: So that's the thing. I don't think I, like, I um, from as long as I can remember, I, I, I've never, he's never been around. So I never really had anyone. I never really knew. Mm-hmm. I think it was mostly based on like what I saw my mom doing and and just people around me. I think a lot of it just comes down to like, like my mom always taught me, like, you know, be like, be considerate of others, like share everything. Like she just put some good morals in me. And then I just went for that. Like, I think I'm a, a good person overall. Just like be a good person. And that's like, will make you a good man or woman. I don't think it mattered.
0: Okay. Very cool. Did you ever butt heads with any peers growing up that had very masculine kind of expectations of what you guys should be when you guys grow up
1: no not at all I don't think like I don't think I was like not masculine just because I didn't have a father or anything I mean whatever that means
0: but you didn't have like expectations or your friends weren't like oh this is what guys do we like play baseball (laughs) or was it more cultural things that were more different for you
1: no I guess no I I fit I feel like I fit in pretty well in Canada I I was like I was like 9 10 when I got here like 9 years old I think when I got here but by then, it's like, like, Europe is like, like, from the age of like, four, you're playing outside by yourself, playing sports, like nonstop. So it's like, and also when we moved to an area here, um, when we first came to Toronto, the area we moved to, there was a lot of like, other Eastern Europeans in the area. So it's kind of, there's actually so, so like, one of the guys I grew up with, like me and his family, we actually came to Canada as refugees in the same plane. And uh, so it's like, me and him were. Me, him, and his family, we were like close for like a really long time. So I always had like had people here. Okay. We always had families we were close to and we were always around other people. So I don't think it mattered that much to be honest.
0: That's amazing that you guys just kind of had your own community and were able to share that experience together. I think that was basically more important to you than like any external ideals or anything like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I I always like, like I think even growing up here, like we were always outside, like we literally up inside a park like a big park with like two baseball diamonds like basketball courts like football fields it's a big park for sports that it's like we were outside every day doing nothing but playing some sort of sport depending on whatever day it was
0: that's interesting that you grew up playing a lot of games and doing sports because aren't you in like tech and isn't that very like computer focused and indoors in-
1: so that's um <laughs> So I always, say, I always laugh at this. It's like, I feel like I, I, I never had a choice in what I ended up doing. So uh, background story in, in Bosnia, my grandfather, this is like before personal computers. He worked for the army in uh, Bosnia. So this is before Bosnia was a country. At that point, it was all Yugoslavia. But for the Bosnian like, province, he was uh, the director of technology for the army for the province. So he got my mom into computers into, in like, the 70, like, late 70s, 80s. So my mom was a software developer for mainframes. And then I think she just always pushed computers onto me as well. So even though like, yeah, we were always like out and playing, like I was always with a computer from really young.
0: I think that's, I mean, there's this, there's been studies on if you train your children for like a certain thing, like if you want to train them to be like performers, you know, like Beyonce or something like that, you know, you start them off and kind of give that whole, environment well that's all they know and you celebrate them whenever they do something within that field is that kind of what your household was like where you were very encouraged to be in computers
1: yeah I was I was highly encouraged to be computers like even from yeah I remember my first time seeing a personal computer ever was in Canada and I remember it was such a big deal for my mom like because it's like she was used to computers the size of a room Mm -hmm. she's like oh my god this like box on your like desk like on your desk just always kept pushing it from like really, really young. And I always liked it. Like I always liked tech stuff. Like back home, there's like a big push in, ge- in general for like engineering. Yeah, for sure. We, have, we get a lot of engineers coming out of like my old country.
0: So if you weren't in tech or if you didn't have a parent figure that really encouraged you to get into computer programming, what do you think you would do instead?
1: I have no clue. I, I don't <laughs> think I've ever thought. No, honestly, it's like, I feel like I was like, Raised into it that I almost didn't have a choice in my brain th- to do anything else. Cause now when I think about it, I'm like my first time writing code, like I-, I know like now it's like the tech sector is like huge and booming. I think my first time writing code was probably like 10, 11 years old. So this is like the nineties. So mm-hmm. I've, I've been doing this for like oh, 20 years now, even though I'm like just turned 30, like I'm 32 now, but I-, I-, I don't think I can even see myself doing anything else.
0: It's like all you know now or yeah. ever known, right?
1: Yeah, yeah basically.
0: So I think there's like a stereotype with tech startup people, you know, like Silicon Valley and Billions and all those TV shows. Do you feel like you have to fit into that mold?
1: Not at all. No. But I think, yeah, there there was a stereotype, especially like I remember um, uh, like when I did my degree, like, like 98% of people in my program were the stereotype, you know, and the 2% that didn't fit like I, I like I, I think I'm a pretty I'm like really good at my job. Like I like not to boast myself, but like I'm confident in my job. And the two percent of people that didn't fit the mold of a stereotype of like your developer, quote unquote, they mm-hmm. usually weren't the good developers to begin with. Really? <laughs> yeah. So you you could the the it was definitely like uh, this is like what like uh like mid two thousand up to two thousand like ten, it was still pretty early for like the tech boom I think developers and all that now there's boot camps everywhere but no there was never i never fit, felt like I, I was just always like me i don't what's, think it matters
0: what's the like og stereotype like what is what was considered like being a quote-unquote developer in those days
1: guy in basement mountain dew and pizza pockets three things
0: yeah okay yeah that
1: was like the stereotype so it still kind of is i feel like, i feel like it's always been the same like you know big burly guy like eats like crap just like on his computer doesn't talk to anyone the stereotypes always like that they're like introverts they don't they don't like socialize well and they only talk to other people that are like minded but i think that it's it's, uh, it's pretty much the same as today i'd see i'd say
0: that's interesting i think that's like the negative stereotype of like the average tech guy i kind of yeah, think yeah. of like the hollywood like sexy tech guy which is like kind of like a kind of slimmer guy and just kind of dressed nicely you know and just very smart and intelligent and right. very self-aware you know what i mean and like just so focused on innovation
1: right you know right I mean? yeah, yeah yeah that there's definitely like the it's definitely cool now to be in tech like
0: in yeah that's what i mean it's like, a, it's, it's like definitely definitely a friend
1: cool. oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely cool now and i think but i think but even when you look at like you said silicon valley right like that's Mm-hmm. Like they're all the negative connotations. Uh, the, the show is hilarious though, but.
0: Yeah. Cause like even like billions and dirty money, like there's a lot of talk about like scandal and stuff. Like, why do you think that is a thing in the tech space?
1: I, I just think anything that has like billions and billions pumped into it, at any given moment, mm-hmm. you're going to end up with people that are opportunistic for that.
0: Have you experienced that where you work for a company that was opportunistic like that and you didn't agree with their moral code?
1: No, so far, um, so far I- I've worked, I've only basically worked for two places my entire career. Sorry, three, te- te- technically on paper, it's three, but the first two companies I worked for were basically the same people. So I think I've, I- I've actually had a pretty lucky, my career has been so far has been like really lucky. I've worked with some really good people and, but I've also heard some like horror stories, you know, but I- I've knock on wood, I've, I've actually had pretty good luck with the companies I work for and I, I don't, but I don't think that's the norm.
0: Okay, so your other tech developer friends, what kind of horror stories have they had or have told you about that you remember?
1: Oh man, it, usually it's always like, you know, the people above you, usually the younger kids coming in, like the fresh, uh, a lot of companies, like big corporations, you'll have uh, where the guys coming in and are actually, like they know way more about the current technology, obviously, than like the, but you have like, you know, somebody that's like two to three times their age calling the shots on tech that they don't even understand. Yeah, And that's like, that's when you get like, that's when you get into messy stuff. So, like there's people, like I've heard of people like not even using the internet, calling shots on tech that are making up how it's like, how a system's gonna work. I'm like you don't even use this.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I definitely had that with like print versus digital like in the, the magazine world back then. Oh, yeah. When yeah, like dinosaurs just wanted to keep that, <laughs> keep that power. So I'd like to put that into perspective on relationships. Because okay. if you think of like dating apps, that's the same thing. You're just trying to match, you know, right. there's no, there's no foundations. There's no basics on like real questions that might help you kind of decipher or filter through the lot a little bit better. Like, what are your thoughts on dating apps since you are a developer? Like, are there ones that you prefer? Are there things that are broken in your perspective or opinion?
1: I mean, the two big ones I've tried were uh, Bumble and like Tinder. Bumble... I've had some matches like over the past and like it was like was it didn't seem like it was that prominent, I guess. It never really led anywhere. Barely any conversations even happened with my matches. Tinder on the other hand seems like a giant free-for-all, but it doesn't seem like anyone on Tinder was serious for like actual dating. See more of like, hey, hook up and that's basically fade out after that. It's been weird though. It's definitely using both it's doesn't even weird though just sorry just a general like dating apps to me like I don't think I understand it fully when they were when they were like the big rage and coming out I was in a pretty long-term relationship at that point so I never had any of these dating apps I never used them
0: mm.
1: so part of me like you know I didn't start using them until I hit 30 and by then like 30 on tinder like you are already considered like old I think like it seemed like everyone on there was younger and didn't I didn't But part of me just didn't understand it. Like, what was the point of it? It's like, you know, you get some matches and it's like, oh, this girl is like really pretty. And then it's like you talk and it's like, you never, like, you never hear a response. It was like, what was the point of even saying, like matching me?
0: Mm. I think it's a numbers game, you know, and you just contact anyone at any time. And then if you don't get like a response fast enough, you just default to the second one and on and on and on. Like you might have like a preference, but then you're focused purely on appearance and speed of texting, which then... Makes you only care about the speed of someone like giving you attention, which is pretty scary.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you want like that instant validation at that point. It's not even looking for anything. Yeah. And I've definitely, I've definitely fallen into that trap.
0: Yeah. Like I, that's what I mean. I feel like it's almost addictive. It's like date porn or something like that, you know, <laughs> where it's like you get constant, whatever it is, the dopamine flex. Like every single time you get a notification, right? It's like, ooh, which one out of the 20 people that have swiped is messaging me right now?
1: Right. Uh, yeah it's definitely like that Insta gratification is kind of cool it's like a it. it's like, oh like somebody thinks i'm cute or like somebody finds me attractive i like i've i've tried maybe i'm making a mistake like i go on tinder trying to have full-blown conversations
0: mm.
1: it's like okay i think you're attractive and i and i like it i do actually like the idea of not to say that i'm shallow but like somebody me being attracted to somebody is very important like i want to be able to like want you physically and mentally but like it needs to, you need to have both. So I'm like, oh, I think you're cute, but like, can I talk to you? So I'm here trying to have full-blown conversations and I realized like, I don't think, maybe that's my like approach where it's like nobody's responding to these things.
0: Well, I think it's hard because it's an image focused app. So the only thing yeah. you can talk about is more image focused things, you know, like you have to talk about their appearance because you have nothing else to base it on, right? Whereas right. if it was backwards, if there was an app that, didn't show anyone's faces and it was just personality traits like you get matched based on like your astrological sign and job profession or interest or favorite tv shows you know then you have actually something to talk about that instead of something to talk about what they look like
1: see i don't know if i would like that either because i I found myself the people i've always ended up uh, like dating like serious dating we're mm-hmm. almost like polar opposites so it's like if you went based on profession or anything like that like I, I don't think I would have ever met those people mm, okay like I'm a very analytical analytical person I take things somewhat straightforward but I'm also very stubborn by the end of day like I'm very I'm a very technical guy and the people I was always attracted to was always a uh, a woman that had what I didn't have and that was like natural like creative instincts people that tended to be more like free and easygoing, it's almost like things like I wish, like traits I wish I had, like I wish I was creative and I wish like I was more more open. So like, I was always like trying to push myself to be more open with everything. So I was always more attracted to people that were my ideal of what, how somebody should like view the world, I guess.
0: Okay, so that's more like characteristics versus, like I was saying, kind of like similar interests. So what if the app, you know, you identified yourself with, you know, whatever professions you are and the interests that you have. And then you can choose or filter through people that are these types of characteristics.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool.
0: But then you can't see them, like if there was no photo attached to it. And you just got to get to know people that were like, you you got to join, I don't know, a forum of creative types. You don't know who you get.
1: I I think it could work at the same time it's like <laughs> it's like here's the thing it's like yeah if you're try- just trying to have sex with somebody looks are like probably like 90 95% of yeah, like sure. the way they are right whereas if you're trying to actually like date somebody like looks are important but can I actually talk to you and hang out with you is going to be like the primary thing
0: so you said that you're currently dating when how long were you in your last relationship and when did you guys break up
1: uh we broke up it's been But a year and a half
0: now, I guess.
1: Year and a half, two years. Well, we're dating for seven years.
0: Wow. So what happened?
1: I think after a while, you you realize like there's a point in our relationship. It's like, you think the last couple of years, like we were, I think we were just both in it because we've invested so much time and effort at that point. Mm -hmm. But it was a point we both realized, like we both knew that we didn't think that was going to be like a a thing later on. Like when we first met and we started dating, it's like everything moves so quick. It's like from the moment we were like started hanging out to the moment of us moving in was moving in together was about like two to three months.
0: Oh, wow. That's quick.
1: Yeah. And everything was just like so quick and everything felt right in the moment for all of us. It was like one of the best things that happened to me at that moment. Mm. And it just felt like it felt amazing, like right off the bat. And it's like, we both just knew, but after a while it's it's, like, that, that was in our, we were both in our early 20s. So what we had our idea of like life and what we wanted to do, like we, neither of us knew yet what we wanted our life to become. And at first we were all together and then just over the years, I think our views on things just like went further and further apart. And there's a point where we just realized we needed to break up.
0: And like kind of find your own selves at that point, right? Instead of living together because yeah, like yeah. you can't grow the same way, right?
1: Yeah. At the end, it just felt like, you know, we were more roommates than we were in a relationship trying to make it work and it just wasn't.
0: I think it's interesting. Like when I was dating in like early twenties, if I liked someone and then they liked me back, like that was all I cared about. You know, I didn't care about longevity of the relationship or, you know, like a future plan. But I think now in my thirties, there's just more things to consider. And I care a lot more about someone's character. And I'm just curious, what are the characteristics that matter to you now?
1: So, I think before before I was always I attracted to people that were like more open and more creative okay. just in general. And I still think I'm attracted to the same type of thing like that. But now I also like the other things I look for, it's like, um like, hey, do you have a plan for yourself? Like are you independent? Can you take care of yourself and look after yourself without without help? Like independence, I think, is like the one of the biggest things for me. And I don't mean dependence, like you're on your own. I mean independence, like, hey, like I don't I, I could take care of me on my own if we're together, that can only make us both stronger.
0: So, I mean, this is a, a very masculine trait that I disagree with, but I would say that a general masculine desire is to be able to you know, be the provider, protector, caretaker of the woman, right? Like, do you not want that role? Like you just want her to be able to be independent by herself? Like where, where does your role come into play in that relationship?
1: I, I think it's fifty-fifty. Like I, I don't really, like I don't think I've ever cared. Like we're both people. Like at the end of the day, I yeah, I don't care if I'm the provider or not. Like I'd, I'd have no problem being like a stay-at-home husband if my like wife was like raking in the money. Like I don't care. Who cares? If we're like good together, we work well together, and we push each other forward. It doesn't really matter. Like even the whole like stereotype of like you know like cooking and cleaning. It's like like I like cooking.
0: Okay, cool. So like you don't really. Feed yourself into those stereotypes or those gender roles. You're kind of like, anyone can do anything as long as you can kind of stand on your own two feet,
1: yeah, yeah, I think as long as you guys are like uh, as long as like, like it's just in a relationship, it's like if you guys can help each other and like push each other forward, I'd like I don't think roles should matter that much,
0: okay. so how would you define helping each other push each other forward like professionally?
1: Yeah, professionally, but also just like day to day life, like okay, like um, maybe I have a bad habit of. I don't know like keeping things messy or like I like to put things over chairs it's like somebody going like hey don't do that and like continually telling me like hey like don't do that it's like it looks messy it's like that's just like a stupid little example of it but...
0: And you would appreciate that and not be resentful about that?
1: No because if someone's pushing me to be like better why not? If it's possible for me to do it like I'm not going to be mad if it's like you're asking for something that's like impossible and you're just on me hounding me about it that's a different story but okay. and it goes both ways like I'm like, I could be stubborn but when I'm wrong like I'm I'm I openly admit I'm wrong and I'll openly try to like fix that and I have no problem with it.
0: Do you think you've always been pretty open about admitting that you're wrong?
1: (laughs) Yes and no, because when I know I'm wrong, like I'll openly admit it. The problem is, is when I don't think I'm wrong, I don't think I don't think it's even possible to convince me otherwise. And it's actually my stubbornness has definitely led to a lot of fights in the past in, in relationships.
0: When you say that you don't think that you're wrong, is it because... You don't want to admit it yourself that you are wrong, because it's you know, let's say it's not a logical right or wrong. You know, like if you put something on a chair, like it's there. Everyone can say it's there or it's not there. But if it's more of a emotional context where both of you could technically be right and both of you can technically be wrong, how would you respond to that?
1: Oh, that's like yeah, uh, yeah. At that point, that's fine. Like I'm not going to be stubborn over like a situation like that because at that point, just like personal preference, right? I can't tell somebody's like. The way a picture's hanging on the wall, or like the picture you have on the wall, is like wrong for you. It might be right for you, it might be wrong for me. That that's like I'm okay with people having their own opinions on things like that. That that I'm pretty open to, like, because I'm understanding that hey, this doesn't have a right or wrong. I was more referring to like logical things where, like, I think I'm clearly in the right with like proof, for example, or like just so, with a reasoning.
0: Has there been an example where you knew you were wrong but still acted like you were right? To win the fight like any ego involved
1: i, I like i mean i'd like to say no in my <laughs> head but <laughs> if you ask some the other people that were my partners before i'm not sure if they'd agree yeah i can't think of an example where like usually like yeah every, every time like someone's point out to me like and give me a reasoning of like even if i'm like really headstrong about my side and somebody goes like this is the way you made me feel and these are reasons why like I'll, I'll, I'm more than open to that. I have no problem with that whatsoever.
0: So how would you react with a person that didn't vocalize that for you? You know, like a passive aggressive person where you like, you know, something was wrong. And I'd like if- try
1: to, yeah, I, I would definitely try to pull it out of them. If I could tell somebody's wrong on somebody, like it's almost stubborn because even if they don't want to talk about it, I will keep prodding until you do, which doesn't lead to good resistance. Sometimes they can like get it out of you, but. Cause I, I do think people should like like say things out loud. Like I'm a pretty vocal person myself for like big and small things. So I I prefer it that way. Like I like being in the know good or bad, like tell me good or bad, just tell me. But I've definitely put some people in like weird, I've definitely put some of my partners in weird positions where maybe they didn't want to talk about it or maybe they're uncomfortable talking about it yet. And i put them on the spot where the way it came out, wasn't productive to either side. That's definitely my fault. It's like, Hey, like. If you give somebody the time and space sometimes and like not push them, they'll come to you in like a more constructive way, deal with something where my thing was always like, get it out right away so we can deal with it faster.
0: I think that's, I don't know. I feel like that's a gender thing where like guys, you know, generally, I mean, you're built to be more logical and problem solvers, right? So if you can read the room, right, per se, and you can tell that there's something wrong, you just want to fix it. And then you can go about the rest of your day, right? Right. Whereas I think on a female perspective, it's really nuanced because the reason why she's not telling you something is because she is afraid of your response. And then the more you ask and pry, the more afraid she'll get, you know, because now she's feeling like there's now aggression and you're like hyper-focused on it. And now she doesn't even know what to say because it's not just one thing to fix. It's like a multitude of feelings and situations, and it's like an ongoing conversation rather than uh you know tick off the the list of things to fix. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think yeah that that's um that sounds exactly right.
0: Yeah, so I think it's interesting because I think that's kind of how men and women have sex. You know, like guys just are having sex, hope you know, and you know, see like controlling their ejaculation, like controlling when they're going to come. Right. That's like the whole process of it. It's just like, how long can you go? Right. (laughs) And you just have one thing to do just last. Right. Technically, if you think of it simplistically like that, (laughs) whereas like with women, it's like a whole ongoing conversation, you know, and it just doesn't end. There's no beginning or end. And there's no like outcome, you know, there's no like result. And I think men just get so wrapped up in like, well, I got my result. You know, that's it. Like, did you get yours yet? Like, should you get yours before or after me? Or, you know, what do you need in order to to do that? And like, it's all about finishing or like, you know, you, we finish this and then we move on to the next thing and like get on with their lives. So how do you feel about that? Does that make any sense?
1: No, it makes sense. And I know that's like the, the way it's like typically portrayed. I, I like, I don't think I've ever been that way like mm-hmm. i take I take pleasure in knowing my partner's pleasured first, mm-hmm. like that's always been my thing. It's like, hey, like I, I like when the girl gets off like I like when the woman gets off, so I've always been focused on that, and I'll worry about me like i'll because I know as a guy like I'll get mine it's easy for me to climb like it's easy for me to like climax or whatever like it's easier for guys, right so my 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 focus has always been on the woman to make sure that like she's good first and not like we'll worry about me later
0: but like if you're thinking about her and you're getting the satisfaction from that you know and she gets satisfaction from vice versa yeah you know that's kind of where that tension is because it's like you're both trying and like you both want each other to feel better first mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean ideally if you're not selfish and you're not <laughs> selfish, right like how do you maneuver that kind of dynamic you know do you have conversations before during after you know how do you make sure that she is okay
1: oh that she's like satisfied you mean yeah oh yeah like always like I have no problem talking about sex and like asking people what they like and what work what didn't like I have no problem like women telling me like instructing me like hey that doesn't work move or like do this like oh no that's not the spot I have no problem with that because I'll also be vocal like hey I don't like that don't do that like that didn't feel good like this feels better do that like I'm I'm okay with that during before and after I've had those conversations like what work what didn't what do you like like beforehand say it's like the first time I meet somebody, it's like you haven't slept together yet. It's like I, I like knowing ahead of time like what you like, and what you don't like, if any, if there's boundaries or no boundaries. During as well, like during sex, like hey, like point, hey, hey, if you want me to do something, point me, I'll do the same thing to you. I've, I think sex should be like, like almost like sex should be like an adventure. It should be fun. You should, and people, I, I think people get scared to tell their partner stuff because mm-hmm. if there's like, oh, if I tell them she's doing something wrong or she's doing something wrong that, that they're gonna almost shy away from it and like go back into themselves but I'm like I don't I don't really I'm, I'm not going to be offended if somebody tells me that you're doing something right or wrong like I want to know what works <laughs> what doesn't I want to know that.
0: have you ever experienced negative feedback that like you didn't agree with or felt wounded about
1: felt wounded or didn't agree with no because it's not up to me right ah, okay no 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 I might not like it hey like the time we had sex was like terrible like no one's gonna like hearing that but it's happened but uh, it's like okay why like what did I do wrong or like right like let me know but it's also very subjective right because like what works for some doesn't work for others so it's like it's not about finding out a path that works for everyone that's impossible like you got to find it for that partner you're with
0: okay so what is like what has been very constructive criticism that you've received or the most constructive criticism you've received? Like
1: just constructive? It's less been like more constructive criticism, more like instructional. Like, hey, the way you're like doing this specific thing. Like for example, like there was one girl that, it's like I was going down on her and like I was doing it my way and she didn't like it. And it's like, okay, like, don't do that. I don't like it, it's like too much pressure. It's like, do it this way. And it was like in the middle of it, it's like, all right, great, like perfect. Like you're telling me what I need to do, like why this is like easier. Like you're making my job easier by telling me.
0: Yeah, but like also don't you want, is there, do you have a style? Is there a style or is it just like doing it whatever her version is?
1: Uh, I have my own style. Like I have a way that like I like things and then, but I I don't know, like I like so many, like, I don't know. Like like I said earlier, like sex should be an adventure. So it's like what I, I like all of it, I guess. Sometimes it is in the mood to be like rougher and like be friskier with each other. Sometimes you just want to like, that person close and just like go slow, right? Mm-hmm. Like even me, like I'll, I'll play, like I'll, I'll switch, like throughout even like one night you can play multiple roles. I think.
0: Well, I I think it's really interesting you said that because I don't know, I'm I'm generalizing here, but I think like men, it's like they have fast or slow or like rough or soft, you know, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> there isn't as much to work with besides that. You know what I mean? Whereas I think with women, they like there's just different techniques, there's different styles, literally right and every woman that you encounter has a different set of buttons you know on the flip side with men like i would say most men it's kind of the same thing you know like when i was with a woman i was like oh i can't read you at all i don't know yeah like i was i actually made me admire men more because i was like holy shit like i have no idea if this girl likes it or not she's just making sounds and stuff like i don't don't know right yeah like i couldn't tell whereas with men you can tell you know (laughs) like it's very external Right. And um, so I don't know. I think it's a little bit of a disservice on the woman's part because it's basically she can use the same technique over and over again with the same guy. Yeah. On the Flip side, the men have to learn each one. But yet men are validating themselves on like, oh yeah, I can like do this and that to this person. And it's like, well, it shouldn't really be about you because you're, like, men are simple sexually, right?
1: Yeah, yeah fair enough. So, um,
0: yeah. So why is it, <laughs> why do you think there's that like, Validation of like, well, you know, getting satisfaction in knowing that you cut her off.
1: I, I don't know. I, I've definitely, like, I've definitely called girls during sex to say, like, no, that doesn't work. Like, that's okay. not a thing. Or, like, do it this way. Like, I've definitely been instructional. I have no problem with that. Or it's like, even the thing I like, like, I like, uh like, I, I like when people are forward, even if you don't say it, like, hey, you want me to do something? Move my head and I'll do the same to you. Like, or, like, move my, move whatever part of me that you want to move and I'll do the same to you. Like, no, no judgment, no, like, I guess we are like sexually easier. Like it is easier to please a guy. Part- like not all partners are the same and you definitely had like better sex and like worse sex, right? So it's like, like you just like judge the difference between that.
0: What, yeah, would, you, what would you call good sex versus worse sex?
1: Uh, depending on the situation, I guess. I-, I think the best indicator is if you can <laughs> both, like after you're both done, if you both just fall asleep after, that's probably the best indicator <laughs> that it was good.
0: Okay, very interesting. I think, I think it's just so nuanced, but I'm, I'm glad that it's very equal or it sounds very equal, you know, like you'll be instructional and then you'll encourage her to be instructional. Like, do you lead with an instruction and then kind of say like, okay, now your turn, like you tell me what to do or, you know, how would you invite a woman to kind of communicate with you like that?
1: No, just openly tell her, like tell her what you want. Uh, Usually those things are like said beforehand, like things like that. And then whatever happens in the bedroom happens. Uh, what I found myself happening a lot with uh, certain partners uh, for is like, you know, this like the, this time us having sex, maybe I'm like I'm more in charge and I'll be doing this. The next time it'll be like more like you, and just like it, it's not like we discuss it ahead of time like what's gonna happen. It just kind of like whatever happens that time happens. Like I don't really know how it's gonna go until like I guess this, like the actual you have sex.
0: Have you felt like it's? very different to get close to them? Like, you know, since you had a, a really long-term relationship previously, and then now that you're kind of dating people, just generally now, like how how do you get to that level of comfort?
1: I found my, uh, like I'm, a, I'm an extrovert, so like I, I try to find common ground, even if we don't agree on with stuff, like I try to find common ground with anyone. So I feel like I'm pretty easy to get along with, especially like at first, like I'm, a, I'm never uncomfortable meeting new people. Usually not, unless there's a reason for me to be uncomfortable ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Like you have said something or did something like, I I don't know, I'm pretty open. Dating's definitely been different for me. Like I was always in like longer relationships before, even before the seven year one, I was like with another girl for two years before that. So I never really went through like a dating phase where like, I know I saw different people or like I even talked to different people. I, I guess I've never had that opportunity. So I'm like, I'm still trying to figure it out now how it all works.
0: So what is dating for you now?
1: Uh now, well, I mean, with the everybody being quarantined and stuff, uh usually it's been like, hey, if I meet somebody online, it's like we'll make some sort of plans like during the summer, it's like, hey, we'll go outside and like do some outside activities, just see where it goes. I- I've always been like my relationships before were always like, if you know, you'll know like pretty soon.
0: Okay. Like then you'll like feel that connection kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Like all my relationships were always like, like the ones that ended up lasting were always like something happened to spur of a moment and you just can't get enough of that person. And it just like snowballs like really fast into like together now.
0: And now, is it, do you find it harder to find that?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a lot harder now because now it's like, hey, like I, for me, it, like the big one is like, hey, like my entire twenties were spent in a relationship. And I feel like there's almost like internal pressure for me that whoever I found next has to be like just right. Or like, like I don't really have time to figure somebody out for five years again, only to be only for it to end after like five years. I don't, yeah, I just don't, I don't think I even have a time for it. So now there's more pressure about of me figuring out who that person is ahead of time, whether we can click or not. I'm definitely more calculated. I'm definitely a little bit more reserved. The other find, I find myself, it, it's harder for me to trust people now, a woman specifically. Okay. It's definitely harder to trust and definitely harder to connect. But uh, just because it's like, I'm there's more of like a wall up from the get-go. Like I'm very open and stuff, but it's like, I'm not going to get too deep with you right away now.
0: So, does it require time for you to open up and get deep with them now? Because then, isn't that kind of counterintuitive to you wanting, like, you being on a time constraint kind of?
1: It is, but at the same time, it's like I rather. It's <laughs> also the situation. I'm, I'm trying. I'm just trying it differently because it didn't work out for me the way I've, for me before it was always like, oh my god, I can't like, I meet somebody and say we really hit it off. It's like, I, I don't, I, like, I don't, if somebody can make me feel like I don't want to even spend like two days apart from you, that's usually like a good sign, I guess. Like, it's very like my brain was just doing it on its own, like instinctively without me having to think about it. And I've always just followed the instinct for that. But now I'm definitely like going like, oh, wait, wait a minute, like, slow down. Like, is this actually right? Like in two years, is it going to be right? Which I never thought about that stuff before, whereas now I do.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like when I was younger, I would just addicted to the connection. You know, if I felt that spark, then I would chase it. And now it's like, I feel the spark all the time, but it's just a spark. That doesn't mean compatibility. Yes. And you know, yeah, now you have to be way more mindful of it because some people are really good at creating like false sparks, you know, and maybe you are too. And that kind of messes up the system, right? Because when you're younger, everything that was a spark was just exciting. And then you just, went with wherever the flow took you but now you have to just be so much more intentional
1: mm-hmm. yeah I've definitely probably been guilty of that for better or for worse like without even realizing it
0: so do you not still believe in that spark like you got to feel butterflies at the first instance when you meet someone
1: I still believe it because I still think that's a great indicator like hey how I'm excited am I to like hang out with you or like talk to you Like, I still follow my instincts. It's just now I have to, like, slow myself. I have to slow myself down and tell myself, like, talk myself out of it, you know? Like, be careful or, like, be wary or, like, hold on a sec. Hold your horses. Because before, I was always, like, let's go, like, (laughs) right in. And it's, like, hey, it it worked out. For me, it worked out in a lot of cases. But at the end of the day, like, what's better? Spending seven years with somebody and at the end feeling like, you know, like, things could have been different. But at the same time, we weren't really compatible. Like, no hard feelings. Or... Would have been better to realize have realized that you know four or five months in, and then not spend the seven years. Like, not there's a right or wrong answer. And I, like I learned a lot in my relationships, and I took a lot away from them. And it's still like a life experience, and I'll never regret them like that whatsoever. But I can't help but question going like, hey, if like we thought about this like after a year, like we probably could have told that in the long run we would diverge, and like it it wasn't going to work out, and we wouldn't have spent this much time.
0: Well, I think you kind of needed to go through with it as long as you did yeah, to learn and grow and then be ready to move on from it, you know? Like, I think that was whatever it was at that time was what it needed to be for you. And then, you know, now your your frequency has changed. You're on a different vibration now for something else, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely think it was like better. Like, yeah, it's definitely useful. And I learned a lot and I'll never hold that against anyone. And we're like, I mean, it's still cordial and also it's like, we're still cool. It's not like there's like, hard feelings like that what happened happens like I can't I I'm never gonna blame anyone or vice versa for like for feeling like this isn't working out for either person involved
0: yeah for sure I can't blame you for that I want to um wrap up with three questions yep so the first question is what toxic characteristic did you have in your last relationship that you're working towards not having in your future relationship
1: uh (laughs) (laughs) uh me and my ex sometimes like I, I definitely know that sometimes I used to push sometimes I'll, I'll definitely push to uh to aggravate or annoy somebody hoping that if we have sex after they'll be more explosive
0: really that's,
1: yeah that'll be pretty toxic
0: you just wanted it to be more emotional like yeah in the sex okay interesting
1: I would definitely piss you off on purpose which is terrible
0: so that you can have makeup sex yeah okay that's funny I mean, I always wondered if that was intentional or not. Cause I felt like sometimes that happens.
1: Yeah. For me, I realized I did it like it wasn't intentional, but I was doing it. And I was like, oh, that's probably why. And I'm like, that makes sense. And I think I realized that, yeah, I'm doing this. So I'm becoming like, an asshole.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you're just kind of doing one thing to, so that you can get a result in a different way. Right. So, right. Absolutely. The second question for you is what negative thoughts do women in general or your female friends have about themselves that you wish could change?
1: like, how they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I definitely have some friends that think their way to get, the way to get guys is, like, very physical, or the way they, like, the guys are going to attract, are not the guys they say they want to attract, and they'll, like, hold it against themselves.
0: Okay, what do you mean?
1: Like, I have a friend that her view is, like, oh, I gotta look sexy and be, like, cute for the guy to like me, where it's, like, no, just, you don't need to do any of that. Like, you're, you don't need to try to be sexy, you already are, like, don't worry about that shit at all. Worry about what you're bringing to the table too. That would actually make like you guys work together. Like, mm,
0: Okay. Yeah, for sure. I think, and again, like dating apps doesn't help, right? Because now no, it doesn't. we are just looking at that, right?
1: Yeah, that's fair. Especially now, like there's nowhere to meet anyone with everything closed down. Right. So I get it.
0: Yeah, but you're right. I think also because you can't meet anyone, there is an opportunity to not think so much about the physical because you can't, I mean- Depending, but you can't physically see them. So you might have to start seeing what you actually bring to the table beyond that.
1: Right. I'm just referring to like there's people that like that, you know, I'd probably want to date that aren't even on these apps and I have like no access to Mm. to even meet them at all. I think that's like the like I wouldn't if I'm a female, like I wouldn't want to meet a guy that's 32 off of Tinder and say that's my boyfriend.
0: You think there's a negative connotation there? Yeah, I think so. Why?
1: I don't know. Like, what are you doing on like Tinder's infamous for being the hookup spot, you know, like, why are you on here? Like you're like,
0: well, I mean, there's no other way to meet somebody now.
1: No, I know. But that's my point is like, there's people that like the girls that there before weren't even necessarily the people that would ever have been on Tinder, for example.
0: Yes. Well, because there wouldn't be an app, but I mean, times have changed, right?
1: Yeah. Fair enough.
0: That's interesting. I didn't really think that there was a negative connotation of like, saying that you've met your partner through an app
1: yeah and I've seen I've seen both I've seen people get married off of tinder so I can't Mm. even I can't even say otherwise right
0: but you're right like there's the consideration of like oh the people that aren't on this platform because it's not like Facebook you know where like everyone has Facebook right whether or not they use it or not but an app like you have to be deliberate about what you put on the app and you know it's a whole separate platform so you're right like you're, it's only going to be a portion of, of certain types of people that are you know actively dating in some capacity
1: yeah exactly and there's a lot of people that are great people and it's like they're awesome and they're open and extroverts but it's like they might just go like I don't mess with tinder and it's like you'll never see that person on tinder right whereas if you're like out or like somewhere that like with like mutual friends or work whatever like yeah you you might you will get a chance to meet up
0: yeah I think yeah, I think I'm a bit, I was privileged before, like just being in the bar scene. There was,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I just met too many people all the time, like overly social. Whereas now without that space, it's, I think, very difficult because I used to see so many first dates in the bar. So.
1: well, oh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I don't know how people are doing it now because that was like the staple thing to do. And now we don't have that option. So, and like, you can only get so much off like a video screen. So, I don't know.
1: The one thing I will say though, is there's less pressure now. Before, like as a guy, you have this pressure that, oh, you're going to like take a girl on a date. They're going to go like somewhere to eat, spend some money, like get some drinks. There's always like this pressure of like, you got to dress up, you got to do this, you got to do that. And a lot of cases, like you're meeting people and it's not who they are, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're presenting themselves as something they're not. And like later on, whereas like now I feel like with apps, like even the people I've met through the past year, it's been more like casual. Like, hey, let's just hang out. There's nothing to do. Let's just like hang out and talk and do nothing. Like we're wearing track pants. Like it doesn't matter.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I find that, I I do find that aspect way better.
0: Okay. I mean, that sucks that you had to think that you needed to present yourself in a certain way before, you know, like, but I think that was definitely the status quo, you know, like yeah. girls would spend like three hours picking up their outfit or something. Right. So exactly. Yeah. It goes both ways.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes both ways. Nerve wracking.
0: You're right. And that's super, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a brighter side to the <laughs> to that consideration. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My last question to you is based on all of the topics we talked about today, what jumped out at you the most that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on further in another episode on the show?
1: I think the idea of men versus, uh, of like how men versus women have sex would be a good topic in general. I don't know if you've already covered it or not, but like okay. the whole thing you brought up with like guys who are typically like they're trying to get theirs and that's it kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just because they just, they don't have as much variety in their orgasm, unfortunately, you know? Whereas like women have like small, medium, large orgasms, you know? Like there's like variances to it. And it, it, none of them matters. It's just kind of like, oh, I had a one and a half or I had a like mini, mini one and a this one. And it's like, uh, it's very difficult to communicate that to a man who only has like one way to orgasm. Unless would you say that you can orgasm in like a small, medium, large format?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've definitely had orgasms that are like just like really quick and like ones that like are, they're, they're not all made the same. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah, some are just like, yeah, I've had some crazy ones and I had some smaller ones where it's like, oh, that, that was barely felt like an orgasm.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Like well, that's what I mean. I think there's there's always gonna be variances, but everyone is always chasing the the large orgasm. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, I think men are always chasing the large orgasm or like expecting that ideally, you know, like that would be the ideal scenario if you guys engage. Whereas women just don't it doesn't matter if you do or don't. It's kind of more the experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that.
0: Cause it's hard to like, you you can't, it's not the mechanics of it is not as simple as a guy. So that's all I would, I would think of it.
1: One thing I would do want to say for women in general is I think a lot of women are scared to tell their partners, like, like, it's like they, they go, they get used to having sex a certain way and that's like the way it goes. And it's like, no one says anything to anyone. I, I do feel like, like, I don't know how open guys are in general, but I like to think that we're more open than that. i I think you do need more women telling their guys like hey no this sucks it doesn't work for me like do this instead
0: i you know that is a good conversation because i think so many girls like just settle for bad sex yeah and then just like act like it's so great and then when that guy goes off to a different girl and does his stupid shit and finally someone vocal is like what is this and then he gets really upset because he's like well my last like girlfriend and, and my other girlfriend like never said anything about me so it's a you problem you know and then that turns into you know an issue
1: yeah I've definitely had conversations like after sex where it's like I'm not asking review to pad my confidence like there's been times where I knew the sex was bad for both of us mm-hmm. and it's like I'm asking you and I want you to be honest with me and you're still go like oh was good like I'm like did you come and they go oh yeah I'm like no you didn't you're lying tell me <laughs> I'm not going to get like, my ego is not going to be hurt. I know it wasn't good. So it's like, it's fine. Just tell me. I think there's a lot of like stigma. So not stigma, but I, I understand that women are pretty hard. It's harder for them to come out with it because they think they're going to hurt their like fragile male egos, right?
0: Yeah. And then they make them fragile by not saying anything and be like, oh, you were great. And then it's like, well, now you just ruined it for everyone else. Like now we can't like be honest yeah. about anything else. So
1: yeah, I invite it. And this is like, right. I remember the time when it happened, it was like right after it's like, it was right after we finished and it's like, I knew it was bad, but like, let me see what you would say. <laughs> like, no, just tell me like, I don't care if it's shit. Tell me. So I know it's shit. I'm not going to be hurt by it. Just tell me what I can do different.
0: Well, that's really cool. I wish I had more partners like that. Like I always had partners that were either like very defensive like that. Like I just said, or they would be, they'd be like, oh, I'll do better next time. I'm like, but I didn't say it was shit. You know, you just, you just decided that by yourself. yeah yeah, yeah. you know and and are we going to have a conversation about that or are you just going to be like nope i'll just improve later next time it's like what so yeah Yeah. very very weird
1: self-improvement without any direction always works
0: yeah like i don't think so (laughs) Uh, anyway this is this has been great thank you so much for this conversation it's been it's been really fun i'm glad we got into like all of the topics so yeah
1: yeah no problem thanks for having me this is actually good for me too i liked it
0: Do we dare speak ill about our partners and their sexual performance? I know for a fact a lot of women come to me complaining about the sex they're having and act completely different in front of their partners. From a female perspective, we don't like fighting. It's the opposite of intimacy, so we do almost anything to avoid it. But I'm not afraid to say what's up, although I know I could be a bit nicer in my delivery. What about you? As always, make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of 100 Masked Men.